This is Beekeeper Confidential. I'm your host, Mandy Shaw. With the turn into spring just around the corner, I have been diligently making lists and purchasing supplies for the upcoming bee season. But with record low temperatures and snow here in the Pacific Northwest, it's hard to imagine that spring is only weeks away. We all know the weather has a significant impact on our bee colonies. And for today's guest, the impact has been disastrous. In February, David Bach from Buzzed Honeys shared that his main bee yard had been nearly wiped out by a mudslide as a result of heavy rains in Los Angeles. He started a GoFundMe campaign to recover the loss of 35 hives. It is one thing to lose the bees, but a whole other problem to lose the hives themselves and the comb stored within. He reached out to me last week about becoming a patron and asked if I could give a shout-out on his behalf, but I knew we could do better than that and invited him onto the show to tell us his story. Meet David Bach from Buzzed Honeys. Let's go to the beginning on where you were when bees came into your life and how it turned into the enterprise that it is today. I was at a farmer's market in Los Feliz in a neighborhood in, in Los Angeles and just shopping. And there was the guy with the honey stand was there and he was wearing a beekeeper suit while he was at the stand. And I guess I had never seen that. I'd never seen anyone selling honey, you know, dressed as a beekeeper before. So we started talking and he said, oh yeah, he's, he said he had hives in the city of LA and was looking for places to put them. So when and, I think about Los Angeles, I think of high rise buildings and Disneyland and recording studios. I don't really think of it as an agricultural spot. Yeah. it's And I definitely thought of it that way before I moved here, but a lot of it is undeveloped. So if you, if you look at a map of LA County, you know, obviously a lot of it's very densely populated and highly developed in certain sections. But when you get to the Northeast, you have the Hollywood Hills. Can you picture that? Um, well, I see the sign. <laughs> right. So, yeah, exactly. So when you see the Hollywood sign, so there's the Hollywood Hills and it's, those hills are much too steep really to develop very densely. And then we also have the Angeles Crest when you go further east. And so um, depending on where you live, you get a, you actually can have a lot of open space. It's just totally undeveloped. And then also you have a lot of irrigation in people's yards. So people are growing whatever they have in their own yards. And obviously, you know, it's warm year round. So there's a lot of forage in the city in the populated parts and in, in the parks and just to the north of the city and bees do really well here 
that's something I really, I, I hadn't thought of before I talked to this guy. He was the first beekeeper I really met. And so he was the one who told me that. And I said, well, I just moved to a new place and our backyard is sort of hidden from the neighbors. And that was important because beekeeping wasn't wasn't legal in the city back then. There was a municipal ordinance against keeping bees uh-huh. in the city of LA. And that has since changed, right? Right. Yeah, that yeah. was a few years ago. And that was sort of a popular uprising among small-scale, you know, hobbyist beekeepers. Yeah. Who got there and, and a group called Honey Love really led the led the way. Oh, yeah. They're a nonprofit here that, that made that happen. And so then a few years ago, it became legal. You didn't have to hide the hives anymore. But, of course, neighbors, <laughs> neighbors are still a problem sometimes. <laughs> sometimes, yeah. I, yeah. Got, I got lucky in the neighbor department. My neighbor's happy with my bees, but I, I know many beekeepers who have to hide their hives and they have to really tread carefully uh, with their neighbors. Right. Well, how many hives do you have back there? I have five. And oh, okay. they're all... Pointed at his backyard. <laughs> um, yeah, but he doesn't uh, mind having the flight traffic going over his back deck. He enjoys watching them. And I think that this relationship works because I keep a really open communication with him. And when he has guests over to his house, if they if I happen to be in the backyard and I hear them freaking out about my bees, I will go over and talk with them. I'll invite them over for a tour because I have observation windows in these hives. and. Mm-hmm. It works. Yeah, you lucked out. Yeah. That's right. Yeah. So So anyways, back to your story. <laughs> uh it's all part of the same story, really. Yeah. I mean that's what thing that I guess that has been so gratifying about beekeeping is how there's uh, so much camaraderie between people yeah. who do it. And it's so I forget sometimes that it's not it's not that common. You know, I spend so much time thinking about bees and working with bees and reading about it and all that stuff that I'm still surprised when people say, oh, that's so cool. Tell me all about it. Like, <laughs> well, it's everywhere, isn't it? I don't know. Only in my life, I guess. And right. Then, so you so this, told this guy about your backyard and yeah, your and, secret uh, hive keeping abilities. <laughs> right, right. Well, I didn't have any abilities at all, though. So he, he, I told him he could use the yard, but he would have to come over, you know, and do the maintenance. And he said, oh, if you're interested, I'll just come over and teach you how to do it. And so that really fit perfectly with something that I had been interested in, which was getting away from the computer. So I've been a, well, I still am a freelance writer. And I was in several wildlife TV shows, you know, documentary shows. So what were you doing in the episodes? I'm a writer. So for the for the TV shows, my title is story editor. Oh, very so cool. Would, yeah, so <laughs> I would review all the raw camera footage and then put that together Obviously, cut it way down yeah. to, to 19 minutes or whatever, however long the show was. And so I was watching people traveling around the world to all kinds of exotic nature spots and interacting with exotic animals and slowly, you know, losing my mind as I sat there. Staring. Oh, gosh. I mean, it sounds so incredible, but I can understand the maddening part of having to be at the computer. I mean, it's really cool. I'm lucky to be doing this as a job and on and on. But after a few years, you know, you look out the window and you see the real world is right there. But my schedule is so tight. I really didn't have time to go out and 
<laughs> and enjoy the, oh, the real oh my like, God. actual out- outdoors <laughs> watching the outdoors on a screen yeah. so and then uh, and then you found yourself with a beekeeper who was willing to put hives in your backyard and teach you yeah well so that was the plan and he definitely brought the hives over and then he showed me around a little bit and I had never kept bees before and then he left and, and I texted, I don't know, a couple of days later. And he said, well, I live in Riverside, you know, which is a couple of hours away. He said, just send me a picture of what you want to know. Oh, my so gosh. I take pictures on my phone and sending it. And then he would write a note back. And so, you know, I got some books that beekeeping. Is it for idiots? Yeah. yeah. Idiot's Guide to Beekeeping, I think. <laughs> At what point were you like, okay, this bee thing is really getting bigger than I expected. I'm going to make something out of it. I'm going to start this company. I mean, it got too big that first year, honestly. As soon as, <laughs> the truth is, as soon as the neighbors started complaining, the next thing I did was, you know, I was on Nextdoor, you know, that website. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so I was on Nextdoor and I um, I just wrote a note and said, does anyone have room for beehives in their yard? And that's how I started getting connected with people to put hives just as I wanted to just put them close Mm-hmm. you know, in my neighborhood. So I didn't have to do a lot of driving. To yeah. Be the real beginning of the business was when my son wanted to sell the honey in front of the house. Oh and my so, God. Yeah. Did he have like a little honey stand set up? Yeah. Oh. yeah exactly. <laughs> and that seemed reasonable, right? Like he was 10 years old at the time. And yeah. That's a good, good time. For Who could resist? Sort of job. Did he sell out? Yeah, immediately. Yeah. Yeah. Right away. So after a couple of hours, he had no more honey left. And he came in and said, okay, let's do that again next week. The next thing that happened was I started putting the hives in different yards. And then as the number of hives started rising and we produced more honey, I thought it would be cool to expand and try to sell it commercially, you know, to sell it to retail stores. Did you go and set up a stand right across from the first beekeeper that you met at the farmer's market? Well, so luckily he lived at, way out of town, and I learned, th- also thanks to him, that selling at the farmer's market is so much work and takes uh. so much effort and time, and then you're also competing with all the other stands at the farmer's market. Yeah. So after doing that a couple of times, you know, working for this other beekeeper, um, I, I decided we should just sell, keep selling in front of the house, and we made more because I worked for the other beekeeper at his honey stand I knew how much you could sell at a farmer's market uh-huh so I knew that we were selling you know five times as much just in front <laughs> of our house so wow yeah but again obviously to actually finance the business that was still never going to be enough sales so then I connected with some local beekeepers who I had met through the some beekeeping forums Mm -hmm. and they were a few hours away and one of them had avocado honey so um, that he was selling in bulk so I went and bought some from him and rebottled it so I could sell that to the, the customers in the neighborhood yeah and also then I would have access to a bigger supply you know to supplement the honey from our own hives yeah so that we got to that point, and then there was a grocery startup called Good Eggs, and they somehow found out about us and asked if we could, you know, supply honey for their grocery. It was like a grocery delivery company, and because of that phone call, and of course I said yes, of course we can do that. And then <laughs> like on the internet, like type type type, 
how do you make a company so you can sell honey to like, you know, I didn't know anything about that. And so that led us to get a cottage food operation license, you know, which lets you sell, it lets you pack your food product in your home kitchen and sell it wholesale to retail stores. The health department comes every year to look at my kitchen. And that's <laughs> it's probably one of their favorite stops. I would imagine there might be some sampling happening. No. I, <gasps> really? I offer them every time. And they would that be bribery? They won't even take a drink of water. What? Oh, yeah. my God. Yeah, and they, one of them explained to me where, uh, it, like, that's one of the specific things we're never, ever allowed to do. So, that, you know, to keep that separation, they're, they're here yeah. only for business. Oh. I always offer them coffee and everything, and yeah. they won't ingest anything. Wow. <laughs> from that, from with Good Eggs distributing the product and with the cottage food operation license paid for, you know, and the kitchen inspected, everything was legit. Then that's how we started selling honey in a, in a bigger way. When you took that jump, were you worried about being able to have enough honey? No, because by then I knew of several beekeepers who were selling really good honey um, in bulk. Okay. And that was, I didn't just order it online. So I drove out to meet these beekeepers and I saw their whole thing. And a lot of times they had hives right there on their property. And they showed me their extracting equipment and everything. And I said, I'm, you know, I'm really, really serious about offering raw honey. And I understand it has to be heated or warmed at some, in some way during the extraction process. But however we can do it so that it's as raw as possible. And they, mm-hmm. and all the people I bought from, they have customers who really want raw honey. And they do a whole extraction where they just put it in buckets and sell it that way. And it's, you, you need to strain it. So yeah. it still has wax in it when they do it that way because when they bottle, when they extract for the regular customers, you know, they filter it. They don't over filter it, but they do have a warming tank that it goes through. It's all mm-hmm. big process. But so that's how I was able to get raw honey that still smells really. I mean, when you take the bucket, the, the, the lid off that bucket of avocado honey, the smell just fills the room. You know, it, it's overwhelming. <gasps> but I don't have contracts to pollinate avocados, so I can't offer my own personal avocado honey yeah yeah uh yeah so that's basically how we got started so everything is going along amazingly he's got the honey he's got the customers he's got the bees and the apiaries and then he got rained on a month ago it started raining really hard at the beginning of february and it just kept raining and raining. It rained so much that the hillside above one of my main bee yards ended up collapsing. Water was running off the road and right down this uh, one side of the hill, and the whole thing just washed away. And it, it washed straight down and through the, you know, the flat area where I had most of my hives. And that was a shock. Did somebody call you and tell you that this had happened, or did you just go to check and find this disaster? No, it was was raining so hard, I said, we should go over and look, and because I had some extra pallets, I said to my kids, we should go look and maybe bring some extra pallets and put some of the hives, you know, double up, double the pallets and move the hives up. But it was honestly, it was raining too hard to do that. It was absolutely pouring. And that night, I got a text from the woman who owns that land, and she said, uh, yeah, there's a massive, massive landslide, and you should come check. I think the bees are, I think your yard was damaged. And so when I went, I mean, everything's just upside down. 
Now, it's, you know, I keep going over and I keep moving them. I, I turn them upright, but it's, it rains every other day, so it's been hard to do that. But many of them are, are buried completely, are completely submerged in mud. Oh, and so, wow. Yeah, like that, because so I looked at the times. pictures and it was hard to tell, like, how many hives or how was it survivable for any of the colonies that were there? Yeah, so I found a couple of nuke boxes that got sort of must have floated to the top somehow, <laughs> and they were in perfect condition. I got two of those. And there are three mature hives with two deeps and a medium. They're still flying around, but they're sort of on their side a little bit. Those I, oh my God. I put upright. And then, yeah, the rest is just is just covered in mud. So there are about 35 we lost, and maybe five will make it. But then it's also all these medium supers full of drawn comb that were there so, because I had room, you know, yeah. that was sort of a holding yard. And so that's obviously all the comb that's supposed to get filled up with honey this season. I've been talking to a lot of people through the fundraiser. You know, a lot of people have contacted me and a lot of the beekeepers in, in this area have said, well, I have, I got a donation of empty boxes, for example. I got about, I don't know, 16 deeps and a bunch oh, of top wow. and bottom boards someone just, you know, just brought. So that was really amazing. And then another beekeeper in Topanga Canyon has a bunch of mediums because he's switching his whole operation to just deeps. He doesn't actually want to use his mediums anymore. So oh my have, God. he's giving me a really good price on those. And a lot of those have drawn comb. So that'll really help to replace it. Yeah. So, I mean, I, that's why. Yeah. yeah. And thinking about that, the loss of the comb alone, I mean, it's so, it's so resource um, depleting for the bees to make all of that. Right. You have to start yeah. fresh. Right. right. Yeah. And that's why it's it's like um, I put some pictures on Instagram and then somebody DM'd me. Oh, do you have a GoFundMe yet? And I was like, OK, I'll try that. Um, I've never done it before, but yeah. we'll see how that works. And people have been really, really nice about it and have supported the GoFundMe. Yeah. But- so where are you guys with the fundraising on that? Because when I, I checked just a few days ago, you guys were about halfway to your goal. Yeah, so we're a little bit past we're a little bit past halfway nice. and we're still getting donations and I'm I'm looking at the page right now. Um my mother just donated. Oh, thanks Ma Thanks Mom <laughs> and I told her specifically do not send money oh. and she donated anyway. So now I have to yell at her <laughs> and also say say thanks. So yeah, donations keep coming in. It's just it's been really but obviously the money is a huge help and mm-hmm. I get to pay Tom, my assistant, who's out right now delivering honey to uh, a hotel downtown. But it's also hard to explain. Like, if you're not a beekeeper, it's hard to understand. Like, I with money, I can buy new boxes and frames. Mm-hmm. But it's usually impossible to buy a drawn comb. Nobody yeah. wants to sell it. Like, if you had drawn comb, you would keep it and use it yourself. Yeah. And, and that's, <laughs> yeah. And I got a DM. I hope you had insurance. I was like, well, I do have insurance. And I called my insurance company and they said, uh, let me just check your policy. Oh, looks like you don't have flood insurance. I was like, yeah, you're right. We, we never talked about flood insurance. He goes, yeah, well, you don't have flood insurance. So, you know, we can't cover any of the damage. Oh, like, no. Well, that's reasonable. I probably didn't ask about it, considering we've been in a drought for the last seven years. Right. You wouldn't really think that that would be a, a need. Oh, my yeah, gosh. That's what's been going on. So, you know, it took two years to put that yard together. It took a lot of 
work, it literally a lot of man hours to put it together and probably as many woman hours. So I had a female <laughs> assistant for, you know, a couple of years ago. So then to see it in that condition, it's like, uh, am I just going to walk away from this and just, uh, I don't know. I, I really, I really wasn't sure what the future would be like after that. So, but now but anyway. that, now that there's been some time and you've had a really incredible boost from the community. I mean, I've been seeing your GoFundMe all over social media. Oh, great. Um, well, so it's exciting to see the people yeah. will step up and they want to help when something has gone awry, especially for somebody who's doing something really good for the community. Yeah, well, thanks. I was very um, apprehensive. I was shy, I guess, to put yeah. a fundraiser out there like that. So I'm definitely re inspired by the support. You yeah, know. and moving forward, what is your plan? So this yard... I am going to say goodbye to this location. Yeah. Considering there's no way to flood proof it. Mm -hmm. You know, there would be no way to build a barrier to prevent it from happening again. Mm -hmm. It so, just seems like it's just too too big of a risk. See, it really is at the bottom of a ravine. And there's very steep slopes. So, is that hard for you to get access to? Or were you able to drive in? No, I can drive right up to Okay. It. I can yeah, imagine it, you, like, trying to climb up the hill with heavy boxes of honey. Oh, oh with mountaineering gear? <laughs> yeah, no. yeah. So, no, it, it ha that's, the thing, that's the reason I thought it was so ideal. It has this dirt road that goes right to it. Mm -hmm. And then because of the hills around it, there are no people living for half a mile or something like that. And it's right in the middle of the city. So that makes it mm -hmm. sort of this unique spot. Yeah. But unfortunately, it has this other <laughs> little uh, problematic side to it. So the next step is we're looking for another big yard or two, if possible. We're building up the hives again, thanks to some beekeepers. Well, they're really bee removers who now are really busy this spring catching swarms and doing removals from buildings. There's, uh, they're doing some cutouts, but mostly swarm removals. And because I have relationships with them, they're bringing those bees over to me. That's so incredible. I can fill, fill the hives and then, and then we just keep going. I'm getting a text right now, and right as we're speaking, a swarm is arriving. <laughs> uh, so, I'm, so I'm texting with this guy, but he's in front of the house. So we have Mike, the bee remover, just brought a, a swarm. Hello, Mike. <laughs> Hi, Mike. Mike. Tell her what you tell her what you brought. Out of um, somebody's house. They were in their home office yesterday, and <laughs> all these bees just flew right above the window and entered their structure. <laughs> Nice. So it was a brand new swarm, basically. So they really probably hadn't built any comb or anything. No, they just saw him actually go right in. So uh, so we brought him over in a file box. Same time, Mike's here. Tom, where are you? Will you carry this, Mike? Okay, so Tom's here too. He is a new beekeeping assistant. Uh, I just got the David place and. Uh... What did you, where'd you just come from? Oh, uh, the Omni Hotel dropping off some local honey for them. Ooh. Right? Yeah. Now, are they using that in their kitchen? Or are they selling it at their gift shop? Yeah. So the Omni has a big buffet every weekend. You know, it's like uh, five different tables, banquet tables, full of all different kinds of food for the weekend, bag for, their, for their guests, I guess. And then people come to that buffet also. It's sort of a big deal, I guess. Yeah. 
how lovely. So, and so they have our honey on the table as one of the as one of the condiment choices at the buffet table. So yeah, that's status right there. So is so, is Mike yeah. taking the box back? Is he taking the box with him? So Mike is no. So he's leaving that one box. But he uses a this Colorado bee vacuum. Do you know that? that yeah. Right. And when he comes over, he leaves those boxes because he usually comes at night. So then the next morning, I I hive up the swarm, and then he comes back the next day to pick up the empty box. How many times a week is he bringing you bees? Five times a week, and he'll bring two, two or three each time. Oh, my word. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, but don't tell my neighbors. Tom, you want to see what happened with the one we did yesterday? So we hived up this swarm yesterday, allegedly, and they all moved out of the box <gasps> and hung underneath the box. And now there's like, and it's huge. I mean, it's probably like, I don't know, six or seven pounds. Oh, my God. And now they're all living under the box and it's raining every other day. I just put a tarp over it. I mean, I, why do you think they do that? If if they've rejected the box yeah. for some reason, and then they just hang out underneath it, what's that all about? They, they just didn't dig it. I mean, they smelled something in there. Maybe there was some mold, or maybe it was too small. They decided it was too small for them. Yeah, it was a lot more than I thought it was gonna wow. be. Wow. I have these medium nuke boxes, so they're a little, they are. Oh, yeah. Anyway, so, so now let's count. Now we're up to including the one he might just brought over. There's one. Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve, thirteen, fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. So we have to move these out. <laughs> <laughs> and one of them is in a compost bin that a different bee remover just brought the whole compost bin over. Oh my gosh. How long have they been in the compost bin? Do they have column and everything? years and this compost bin has a perfect size opening for bees to get it's like perfect length. it's designed for bees basically yeah it's, <laughs> really a compost bin. Yeah. it's one of those roller kinds do you know what i mean it's, it's not, you put it on a stand and then you put the compost in and you're supposed to roll it to mix it up yeah i yeah, have one of those just don't turn it okay yeah, yeah no i know we, we, <laughs> figured, we, we had to figure that out we have it the right way <laughs> and then the other one is in a birdhouse yeah, the birdhouse that Mike brought over, and he just put steel wool in the holes of the birdhouse and just brought it over intact. So I have one, so I have hive, 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 birdhouse, hive, hive, hive. Oh my god, that was a good meeting, guys. Yeah. <laughs> now that the bees are flowing into David's care like mud into a ravine during rainy season, what comes next for Buzzed Honeys as David rebuilds his business? Going forward, thinking about what I want to do with the company and what I really care about, I'd like for Buzzed Honeys to be a conservation business. That's really what we do. Mm-hmm. So there are feral bees, obviously, I mean, countless colonies of feral bees living in Los Angeles County. And in the past, you know, they were exterminated. That was sort of the normal way of getting rid of them. Now, consciousness sort of has changed about bees, right? So they're being rescued live. And there really aren't that many people. Uh, there's nobody else I know of who takes those colonies in, gives them hives, gives them homes, finds a yard, and then places them in, in spots where, well, what I want to say is in places where they'll be safe. But obviously, as we saw, they're not always safe. Yeah. So so that's my real goal is, is those two things, is to find a 
land, you know, the big flat piece of land that isn't too far away, mm-hmm. too far from L.A. County, you know, hopefully in the county somewhere. And then the second part is to change the focus away from being, we're still going to sell honey, but our focus won't be so much marketing honey to people. It'll be more the fact that we do the conservation and the honey will be an added bonus. Yeah. The honey would act as a way of telling people about what we do. Tells the story. Does, does that make sense? Yeah. I think that's, I think that's really beautiful. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. <laughs> Are you crying? well you are definitely one for us to be watching this is an incredible story and i'm so glad that we were able to connect thank you for reaching out to me um otherwise you know i probably wouldn't have reached out to you because i wouldn't want to bother you in a time where there's been this upheaval of your business and you know, all of that, but I'm really glad to connect with you. Oh, me too. You can always bother me, man. <laughs> okay. Well, I will now. I have your phone number, so. <laughs> I'm a, I, I didn't say it before, but I'm a, but I'm a subscriber to the podcast and a patron. <laughs> but even before I paid yeah. to get your goodwill, I was, I, was a, I was a listener, just a common listener. And now oh, look at me. Look at you now. If you are enjoying Beekeeper Confidential and want to become a patron like David, you can visit my Patreon page at patreon.com forward slash Mandy Shaw. You can also become a patron through the Podbean app. It was so well, fun talking with you. Talk to you later. <laughs> All right. Bye. See ya. To learn more about David and Buzzed Honeys, visit my blog at waggleworkspdx.com. You can also follow Beekeeper Confidential on Facebook and Instagram. Did you know that I have Beekeeper Confidential stickers available in my online shop? Show your support by slapping one on your hive. Your bees will love you for it. Also, if you're in the market for a beautiful and functional beekeeper veil, check out my online shop. It features high-quality beekeeper veils, handmade by yours truly. Thank you for listening! I'll be back in two weeks with another episode. Until next time, may the buzz be with you. Confidential is a Waggle Works production and is written and edited by Mandy Shaw.